Welcome. You are about to enter the Wooniverse. In five, four, three, two, one. Transport complete. Come inside a mystical, magical portal between worlds. You can feel the shift in air in the room. That, my friends, is your aura. Where playful curiosity leads the way and beyond. The true unsung heroes, the people on the front lines with us are guardian angels. You won't believe the ahas that come up in every single conversation. How do I tap into it and keep the good juju flowing? I can't wait to explore this enchanting space with you. Because I know our purpose here is to be divinely lit with inspiration, joy, and meaning. Inside the Wooniverse, a podcast coming to you from the corner of Fringe and Maine. Hi there, welcome to Inside the Wooniverse, a podcast brought to you from the corner of Fringe and Maine. I'm your host, Colette Baron reed and joining us today is one of my most favorite people. Seriously, I am not kidding you. It's the fabulous Lisa Gar. Now, Lisa is on a mission to bring practical awareness back to everyday life. And since 1999, she's been the creator and host of The Aware Show. And I've been on that show a couple of times. It was amazing. It's a transformational show about natural health, cutting-edge science, personal growth, and spirituality. She's also a regular weekend host on Coast to Coast AM and the host of Inspirations of Gaia, airing on Gaia TV. Utilizing her 20-plus years as a broadcaster, Lisa is a transformational story coach who's helped thousands of people, yes, thousands, maybe even more than thousands, through her story coaching and her best-selling book, Becoming Aware, How to Repattern Your Brain and Revitalize Your Life, and it is fantastic. You need to read it. Anyway, welcome to the Wooniverse, Lisa. Yay! <laughs> I want to like applaud. And, like, <laughs> that was great, Colette. <laughs> Good job. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So listen, I recently discovered you were born in Chicago, but you grew up in Southern California. I'm like learning all kinds of new things about you, even though I've known you a long time. So I want to go back to little Lisa. Let's go back to your childhood. My dad was in Vietnam. So I was all over the place, you know, I was kind of that army brat. So I don't really remember a lot of it. I think there was Kentucky in there. I don't know. I remember Ohio. <laughs> I remember that. I, <laughs> I think I landed, the most memories were Ohio. And then it was a, a blur until we came to Los Angeles and I was young then. And my whole family, big entertainment background. My aunt is a big movie star in the 80s and my grandmother's original rocket in uh, New York and just, you know, vaudeville. There's like a lot of, a lot of entertainment in our, in our family in the background. That makes a lot of sense that because you're like super comfortable on stage, on radio, on film and TV and you name it. So let me ask you this though, because I know you and I know how deeply spiritual you are and how woo woo you are. When did you start noticing the unseen energies in your life? Well, it was, I was kind of burning the candle doing the entertainment thing. I, I started off in, uh, like I tried to be an actress a little bit and then I went into, I realized, well, you can't be in control of your destiny there. So I'm going to start my own production <laughs> company. So I started an extras casting agency for audiences wow. in my twenties. And I was doing that and then producing like daytime talk. And I got into mountain biking with some friends who worked as like an AD on this the show called Mad TV. This was kind of back in the day. And I remember that. Remember that show? And um, great, great people, great people. And so we got into just 
something to blow off steam or have a normal balance. And then I got into mountain bike racing, as you do, I guess, when you go out with these crazy fast (laughs) people. And I ended up being pretty good at it. I was in a California state mountain bike championship race. This was like kind of a couple of years into, or maybe a year into my racing experience. Very intense, but I loved it. I loved the women that I would line up with. They were all just switched on, turned on human beings, you know, biochemists, entrepreneurs. And then we would go out and race. And it was just fun because if you had it, they would go, go girl. <laughs> and, if, right. and if they had it, I would say, go girl. And it was, it was just such a supportive and an amazing environment, but you're then against the elements. And it was this race that I was in and it was 108 degrees and it was about 5,000 feet of climbing. And it was very tough conditions. And I went through a hundred ounce camelback. Like I had the, a lot of water. And I remember at the wow. top, I mean, I was second place overall in the whole series. And this was a long summer, long series. And I saw the first place girl in front of me and I knew that the finish line was really close and it was a descent and I could descend better than her. And I'm like, oh, I've got this. I've had it. I've got this. I'm done. And that was the last thing that I experienced. That was the last thing I remember because what happened after that completely changed my life. I slipped into some type of experience, dimension. I don't know what it was, but my body must have fallen and hit a rock because the helmet shattered in several places. And I was all of a sudden on the bottom of this hill, no longer on the bike. And I was witnessing this whole experience where my body was trying to, was still in motion, trying to get on that bike. But I was observing the entire environment. But what was so distracting was where I was. It was this incredible, boundaryless, seamless, complete oneness experience that was the separation of nothing. It was, mm-hmm. and I remember when we were in the mountains and I, and I was watching or feeling or, I was this pine tree and I was the top of the pine tree flowing with the wind and I was the wind. And oh, wow. you know how in life we resist things, mm-hmm. but nature becomes them because yes. anything that we really want or experience or want to manifest, we've heard this so many times, but we have to become it. In nature, it becomes the manifestation of all that is. Or in life, when we really nail it, or we're in the zone, we become what we desire. It's no longer that goal out there or that target or that thing. It's who we become to change or the state of being that we're in that is a flow, that's a complete flow. So I was experiencing Asia. I was experiencing the medics that were working on my body. I became their feelings. I remember this so clearly. I was all of a sudden attracted or I was interested in art and I was attracted to another being. And I was Colette. I'm I'm, I'm like... <laughs> This is so cool. Wow. And I was- I'm all ears. So I'm sure we've got every listener at the edge of their seat now. So keep going, keep going. It was this experience of of the yearnings of these people that were working on my body. In the meantime, the body was airlifted. It was put into a helicopter and airlifted to the hospital because apparently my body's systems were failing, completely shutting down. And they had to airlift me to get to the hospital to revive me and to- pump my body full of saline and and fluids until I could even get consciousness again. And the weird thing about that is that when they finally did that, I woke up in this hospital room 
with this man with this white coat asking me who I was. And I had no idea. I oh my God. choked. Like the fear came in and I must have damaged that part of my brain that was responsible for language because I couldn't say it. And I didn't know. Colette, I had no idea who I was. Wow. I, I looked at that man and all I could do, and he was apparently used to this because he handed me a piece of paper and a pen and I wrote down <laughs> a phone number. And somehow that led to John coming to the hospital, who was the boyfriend that I had broken up with at the time. This was how much of a mess I was in. I was totally disconnected wow. from myself and my life, and I had destroyed my relationship. And we were at this last race together. I remember that because we were like, we'd been in this whole racing thing for two years together. Let's just do this last one together. And we had broken up. We were going to be done. And his was the number I apparently gave to come and explain to the medics who I was, what happened, where I came from. And I ended up recovering in his house for three months and had lost my memory. I lost Jeez. my business almost because I couldn't remember my conversations with clients. Luckily, I had amazing employees that took over for me because they knew I was in trouble. And all of a sudden I was receiving flowers from studios and production companies and I couldn't understand what was happening. And I was in trouble. Oh, wow. I, it's just so interesting because you go into such fear and you forget the enormous being, the boundaryless, the completely seamless beings that we are, this interconnectedness that we are. And fear shuts that down. And it shuts, mm -hmm. and it's in the world. We see it so much now with the division, all that. The fear constantly shuts us down. And what mm -hmm. when we see and get back into that place of expansiveness, yep, we can then carry on and move on into our life. Somehow I found my way to a neuro uh, feedback center. And I don't remember how I connected those dots, but this man was helping kids that were having seizures and epilepsy and autism. And they were connecting, he was connecting their brains again. And I went into this full wow. year and a half neurofeedback center where I was playing these brain games and rebuilding the circuits in my brain that I had damaged. And that's when I started to tap into my spirituality. It's a really long answer to your question, but- No, keep going I, as we like it. I mean, I did. <laughs> the longer, the better. This is so good. I did. I started to take classes in intuition. And it's just amazing how I was doing a lot of just being, sitting, being, meditating. That's right. all I could really do because I was in this different brain frequency. And I started to attract myself to classes about intuition and about psychic abilities and awareness. But- I started taking these classes and, and I was able to really experience other people's pictures or I would see these right. sepia tones around their their ancestors and relatives and pictures and they would float <sighs> around their spaces. And I thought, well, your grandmother's here. And they're like, oh. Sepia. Yeah. It's me too. You too. I see it in sepia tones. Yeah. That that's wild. Okay, keep going. I've never heard anybody say that. I yeah. just thought it was me. I, oh, that's wild. Yeah. I didn't see the colors. I mean, I see colors in different ways around yeah, people, but they, not in the pictures. And I would see these images pop yeah. up and I would say there's there's an image of a, you know, of a judge and they're going through a, a lawsuit or there's an image of a grandmother and they had just passed. And I would see these images and I would start, in the more you practice, the more you, you see, right? So I stayed, I stuck with that for about, I don't know, five years 
at this place called the Southern California Psychic Institute. And I met this amazing, Isn't that something? I mean, a set of amazing mentors there. Um, this man, Michael Tamora, who I'm still in touch with and Joel. And I mean, all these beings that really had perfected their ability to exercise that muscle of sight. Right. And I, it manifested for me as a radio show. There was a friend that said, because of my background in production, my friend said, You're, um, there's this radio station in Los Angeles that had just been sold and the drive time hosts left and they're looking for a host. And I had no background in this. I just wanted to tell the world the possibility of the human spirit. If I could rebuild right. my brain and so these kids could heal from autism and, and, and epilepsy, what is possible? What have we not tapped into? And this was a long mm-hmm. time ago. I mean, this was in the early 2000s. Wow. And I started interviewing my teachers my, from the psychic place and, and the neurofeedback specialists and acupuncturists that were doing amazing things with light. Mm-hmm. Be incredible beings. And I'm like, look, this is the possibility of the human spirit. And then I attracted people like Gene Houston to interview and then Wayne Dyer. And <sighs> then Wayne and I became friends. And yeah. he became my mentor and was very interested in this conversation about the light, the light, the light. Always interested in that conversation about the light. I know you knew Wayne. And that's how I got connected to Hay House. And it was just a synchronicity of events of being who I was being, not knowing fully or intentioning, but I was being and becoming this. And that's why the book is called Becoming Aware. I was becoming this being of awareness, a work in progress, obviously. Of course. Yeah. (laughs) But that's the thing. The becoming, the word becoming is very, very important to me in my work as well, too, because people always want to land somewhere and that will be that. Like, I'm going to land here. That's a destination. I'm, that's it. I'm going to learn this thing. That's it. No, we're always in process of becoming. We're stories in motion, always stories in motion. What I want to go back to is when you brought up the word, the light, right? The, the concept of light. When you had your NDE, because it was a near-death experience, we know that that's what it was now. Did you see a tangible light? Like, was the light alive? Like, I've had experiences where I've seen light that is tangible. Like, it's as if I could touch it. Mm. You know, it's, it's a different thing than visual light. Was that the same thing for you? Can, describe light in those terms. It's interesting because I did not have that typical experience. It wasn't until a year or so after my radio show started, I was interviewing Raymond Moody, who is the massive, amazing visionary researcher of the near-death experience. He had interviewed thousands of people. And when I was interviewing him, it was this out-of-body moment because he was explaining the typical characteristics of someone who had a near-death experience. One was going towards that light, which I didn't experience. But then he said that your entire life's purpose shifts and changes after this because you see something you can never unsee. You experience something you can never unexperience that is completely different than the average experience. The other characteristic is you commonly forget it because it's such an enormous experience. The brain doesn't know how to process it. And your conscious mind is knocked so far offline that you are in this pure consciousness and you you just can't handle, don't know what to do with that. There's no category for it and you forget it, but your life has changed. And 
you start to see things and you become very empathic. And as he was going through these characteristics, I checked all the boxes except the light. And I was but wondering why. Well, let me, let me, I'm going to interrupt you right now just with that, because a lot of people that I know that have had near-death experiences have the light after that the light, the tangibility of that light happens in other times, not necessarily during the NDE. It comes unbidden in moments after the fact, like maybe years later, where all of a sudden you'll 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 get this sense. Of, that's what I'm trying to talk yes. about. It's not in, during the NDE because you didn't talk about that. Didn't talk about that in your book either. But this is something else. Like the light comes not just during that experience. It's what happens later. Yes. And now here's here's something that happened that was so interesting. So remember I told you I had this experience of Asia? Yes. And I had never been to Asia. I just felt the swirlings of the colors of pastels and yellows and oranges, and it had the vibration of Asia. And so I am in Bali 15 years later with my best friend and producer, Gina. And we are on the beach and our husbands had just gone for a swim in the ocean. And all of a sudden there was this emergency thing, feeling. And my best friend's husband had, he dove into the shore and didn't recognize that it was the shore break. And he broke his neck. And my husband <gasps> pulled him out of the water. Oh. It is, it's hard to talk about. They pulled him out of the water and because he was an ex-lifeguard and he knew how to do it and pulled Mike onto the sand. And Mike was on the sand, all I mean, surrounded by the Balinese people were amazing. And they started bringing prayer boxes and they, um, these, they would make these things out of the, the palm leaves and, and surrounded Mike. And he's looking at the horizon, which was the exact same colors of the sunset that I experienced 15 years prior, having an NDE, wow. having a near-death experience on the sand that I'm in the process of experiencing with him that I had experienced 15 years prior. Wow. And it's so chilling because Gene and I were sitting and we're like, oh my God. And I, and we were, I remember us, we were on a plane flying to Gaia and the plane was empty and we were sitting on the chair of the like plane. And I had this memory of that experience 15 years prior that we had just experienced in Bali. And it was just this, wow. whew, and we're in the sky having this moment. And right. It shows me, Colette, that everything is is seamless in terms of our, there, there's a non-linear experience we're having here. So that light yeah. for me was in the form of this pastel experience of the mm -hmm. sunset, laying on the beach, looking at it, and knowing that there is no time, there is no linear time. And this is experience is not just for me. I'm telling you this because it's absolutely that way. All of us can connect into this dimension. It's accessible to everyone, not just me. This nonlinear manifestation of beingness is accessible to everyone, not just mm -hmm. me. And you know this because you operate in this yes. all the time. You know, you didn't have an NDE. Well, I kind of did. Kind of, yeah. So, but it, not really, but it was more, it was during a, a very violent experience where I left my body. So it wasn't, I didn't die, but part of, you know, like no, I, I took off and, and hovered on the similar thing where everything was seamless, but I was hovering in the corner of a room, et cetera. But it, it wasn't an exact NDE, but I had an out of body experience mm -hmm. during a, a violent act. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, 
what you're describing, I think, is is the thing that could save us. It is. It is the place. It is the way to peace. Right. It is. It's the mm-hmm. way to an inner knowing or an inner knowledge that everything's going to be all right. And that's a place to live from. When you say that, everything is going to be all right, then we think of the polarization and all of the, the splitting apart that's happening right now. That's such a temporary moment when the truth is, is that we are seamless, that we are part of this boundless consciousness, that we are pure consciousness and we come from consciousness with a capital C. And that all our running around and trying to manifest things external to us or looking for approval or all the things that society has set us up to do right now, which is unnatural to us. It's, we actually live in an unnatural world, mm. right? The way our entire global society is, has happened. And I think that's exciting now because more people and like what you teach is so available to everybody right now. And, and that we can read your book or listen to your show or watch your show or talk to you or other people mm-hmm. because there's so many people that know this but hide it, right? They don't want to talk about it because they might seem too weird. It's, well, it's part, of the, right? it's part of the journey. And, you know, it's just one of those things that if we recognize that we come from this amazing journey, I mean, I just told you my story and the parts of it that I remember as I tell it and forget and that helps teach other people Everyone has that journey. Everyone has an ability to learn and teach from their story, no matter who you are. (laughs) Right. And that's, yeah, that's exactly what I do teach is I, through the broadcast and through the story work I do and, and the podcast, I teach to come from the healed version of your story, the healed version, which is very important. It's a very big distinction there. A hundred percent. And I think what's really great about that is that we are our own experts. It's like, I love it when people talk about being an expert in something, but it's not necessarily true, but you are the expert of your experience because you have put more than 10,000 hours into your story, into your life experience. And if you have gone from one place where in the, in the journey, like the hero's journey has to be completed in order for you to bring the gift back, right? You have to have healed. Yes. You have to have you had. You have to have the elixir at the end. Exactly. At the end. That truth serum. Exactly. So mm-hmm. other than that, if you, if you're teaching from a place where it's unfinished, you're the example of the unfinished finished journey, right? So there's that too. I have an example of this. So I was just coaching a woman the other day and she came to me, she has a brain tumor and the brain tumor is is pressed on the same area of the brain of mind that would um, synapse the language pattern. And that's, and so we were talking and she had found a therapy, a a type of therapy out there that's of this bio photons therapy that's a it's like an acupuncture needles and it puts photons into the acupuncture meridians uh-huh. and it blasts the body light. with light. Yes, yes. <laughs> right. So, oh my God, that sounds interesting. Right? And so she came to me and she didn't know her story. And she's like, I don't understand why I'm going through this. I don't understand what I'm doing. But I just went through this experience where I was able to shrink my tumor with this light. And I said, girl, <laughs> Do you not? That's a story. (laughs) That's the story right there. Do you not see that you are here to bring light to the world? And she, her whole body changed. Her whole face flooded with like red. And she started talking super clearly. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. you were off purpose because you thought you didn't know your story. But look, you connect a few dots 
And you're here to spread light to the world and possibly work with this therapist about the bio photons and spread that light to the world, which is an amazing therapy out of Switzerland, actually. And so that's what it means to be living in your story and not realize there's a healed version there that you can share with the world and change their lives and your life. Because isn't it about giving people hope then? You know, when we share the healed part, we become that lighthouse, you know, that torch bearer for others. Because we could say, listen, you don't have to, you know, what is it they say that pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. So it's like I always say, I may have been victimized, but I'm not a victim, right? I don't take on the mantle of the victim, but the event happened, but now I'm here. So you can heal and move beyond anything. Anything is possible anything. If you continue to live from that unhealed story, you're living in the past. You're constantly triggering that experience. Exactly. If you live from the healed version of it, it moves you forward. It automatically repels you into your purpose. Because all of a sudden you're like, oh, I want to tell these people and I want to share these things. And I see this happen. There's three things that happen when I watch people tell their story. First of all, it heals themselves. It really, every time they tell yeah. it, they heal even more and even more, even more. The second thing is it heals the person they're telling it to. Somebody wakes up or they find the light therapy or they find the light. And then the third thing that is so amazing is that it just sinks you into your purpose. All of a sudden you're like, I want to share this with the world. I want to start a support group. I want to be an expert. I want to do this. And that purpose fuels you forward and it keeps you out of the past, gets you right into the present moment and moves you forward. And that's the power of the healed version of your story. Yes. Yeah. And it's important because we do need hope. We need to know that someone else has done it. It's possible for me. If you did it, I could do it too. That's actually how AA is based. You know, all the 12-step programs that, you know, when they share their story, you know, it it was always supposed to be what I was like, what happened to me and what I'm like now, Mm -hmm. which is the healed version. So that the people there that are still struggling going, oh my God, this person was as bad as me or had the same experience as I did, but they're that now? Oh, maybe I can do it too. And it saves lives. So this is what you're talking about. Sharing the story is life-saving. It's no joke. Yes. It's not an entertainment thing. It's a literal, you can save a life by sharing your experience. Absolutely. And I 100% agree with you. Absolutely. I mean, we watch it mm-hmm. all the time. And there's people out there that are, ah, oh, this story work, it, it restores my faith in the human being. I'm telling you, the possibility of people, they've been through, I mean, so much, so much adversity out there. But to see the power of the human spirit again and again and again, prevail, to to move through, but not just like surviving, thriving. Um, I do these story workshops and I have these little, I, I keep them really small. There's usually four or five people in it. And I work with each person and I can do this kind of, I see stories in different ways and I've been doing it for such a long time. I'm, I'm kind of a story whisperer. I can see your arc. I can see your hero's <laughs> journey really quickly. And I break it down with people and I show them their arc and their journey And then the four other people watch and they witness it. And at the end of it, it's like total epiphany. And on Zoom, I have like four people whose lives have been changed. And it's so fun to watch. And they're probably crying. (laughs) Everybody's crying. Everybody's loving each other. And they're like, I can do this. And why don't you try this? And I have this contact. And then people just collaborate. And it's really cool. It's a cool thing. I love that. Okay. We're going to take a little pause. More with Lisa when we come back. Don't go anywhere. 
Welcome back. So Lisa, my next question is, let me ask you, the stories that were fed, what I think is very interesting, the role of media, right? And uh, because you are in media, and I think you'd probably have a lot to say about that because I watched the news, for example, today. And uh, like, there's a part of me that says, don't watch the news. But then there's another part of me says, well, I'd like to be informed. But the information that I'm getting, I think is really tainted. So I'm, where do I find this? Because we are never told, very rarely of all these incredible, uh, you know, healed stories, et cetera, and potentials. It's all about fear mongering. It is. Right? I want to hear what you have to say about that. And and I, I believe we're at a choice point for humanity right now, and I believe you do too. So what do we do? And what's the answer? There's so much here. I watch the news with a filter, and I actually get to practice some of my intuition while I'm watching the news. Because if I, you can see and hear the fear, it's even actually more prevalent these days than ever because the, the news yeah. is so sensationalized. It's theatrical. It's amazing. There is right? a boulder coming down your way. It's like, so it's designed to, to grab you, to hook you so that you're walking by and you stop and you watch and the adrenaline spikes and the dopamine spikes. And it is a full on addiction to watch. The, it's designed that way so that then you stay there for the advertisers. And if you look at that neutrally and you say, oh gosh, there's such there's such destiny in that person's journey. Wow, there's such a, an agenda there. That's so interesting. COVID was a perfect mm-hmm. experience of this. And mm-hmm. I will take you all back to that moment. And it was March 13th. I remember it was a very difficult day where the world shut down. And one right. thing after the next closed and closed and shut down and all travel stopped. And it was just a hard stop. But it was also a hard reset for humanity. If you really yes. look into it, because there was so much fear being given to us on the ticker, the death ticker, and the constant reporting of the unknown, invisible death threats that we had out there, which was yeah. COVID. And, and we had such loss. There was an experience of such loss. But then I remember this one day, and I think it was Easter Sunday, and Andrea Bocelli was singing Amazing Grace mm. on the steps of the Il Domo. Yes. And they had video in this YouTube. I watched that. Did you? It was absolutely stunning. They had this video that was playing and capturing all of the real-time cameras around the world. And they showed pictures of the Champs-Élysées empty and the steps of the Vatican empty and the beaches of California empty and the freeways of Los Angeles empty. And you, <laughs> you, and you saw the pause of humanity And if you look in a little more and you expand a little more into that, we've never had this real reset. Like you can do a hard reset of humanity at that point. And many people Mm -hmm. lost an enormous amount, but they also started choosing what they wanted going forward, choosing how the workforce looks, choosing how they wanted to be in charge of their health going forward choosing maybe a relationship in a different way, or maybe choosing your family life in a different way. And we're still in this rebuilding of all of this. But if you really yeah, look at it- we're still in it. That's important to say. Very much so. Very much so still in it. Because I think humanity hasn't recognized that hard reset choice point that we experienced because there was so much fear being fed to us. 
And if we look at this as, wait, well, what choices have I really made since this in the last three years that have improved the quality of my life? And what choices am I still stuck in in the past that I'm repeating maybe that victim story or that difficult story? And how can you take charge of your life and move forward? And yep, things might still be broken, or maybe it was the best thing that ever happened to you and you changed things for the better. Just take a look and reassess the choice point that you're at in life and maybe take some power back from that moment and see how you'd like to move going forward. I know a lot of people took a lot of control of their health. Oh, I did. That was a big thing. Uh, and I, I felt that reset very clearly, very consciously, you know, making different choices, yeah, diving into different things that maybe weren't as important to us before, you know, understanding culture differently and really kind of getting on board also with the control of our health. That was a huge one for us, mm-hmm. big one. But also to the quality of our relationships, what were important, what we wanted to do moving forward, et cetera. And uh, I personally felt that there was tremendous benefit from that reset. That, but it's an interesting thing that's happened. Like now it's supposedly over, quote, quote, right? And all of a sudden now the more divisiveness, more of this, but it doesn't feel the same. It feels more like the hangman's kick, you know, when it, the kick at the can, when it's like dying and it's, there's just, there's punch, 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 but it doesn't have the same punch. I don't, I, I don't even know how to explain that. becoming fatigued of the, of the fear mongering. Right. I think they're fear fatigue. Getting yeah. seniority over it also, yeah. because they're like, nobody wants to go back to that level of no. shutdown pain. That was painful. And people are saying, look, I need to take charge of my destiny now. And maybe I was in a corporation, maybe I want to be in a small business or start a small business now. Maybe I was in a small business and I want to be a part of a corporation. I mean, mm-hmm. there's all these points where you can actually take a, a different look at things. We saw Lynn Twist talk at this conference we were at yeah. for the uh, Transformational Leadership Council. And that was the most amazing. Amazing. You were there. Oh, yeah. Did you not feel hopeful for humanity? After Very that? hopeful. And it was, and share with me a little bit about what you got because Lynn Twist is a humanitarian. She is an amazing steward of our earth and has led Pachamama uh, Alliance journeys to the Amazon, sat with. 28 or 38 tribes in the indigenous rainforest and come through with this prophecy that's very well known in the rainforest of the eagle and the condor. And she told a little bit about it, Mm -hmm. that she has more hope for humanity because of this 500-year prophecy. I don't know if I got these numbers right, but we're in this last part of it where this is the part where it's darkest in this last hundred years, but we're headed towards the arc in the middle of this 100-year, last part of this 500-year cycle where humanity rises. And we see this with the Black Lives Matter movement and the Me Too movement and the Mm -hmm. environmental movements and all of these grassroots movements all over the world, all over the world that are saying no more of this. We, the people, want this. You see this everywhere right now where the people are standing up against the systems and having their voices heard and taking their power back. And she saw more hope for humanity than ever with the rising of these grassroots movements and the humanity having their voices heard. That's what I got out of that. Did you get that too? Me too. Me too. I mean, it was, it it brought up a lot of tears also, you know, for me when I was experiencing her talk and also 
to remind myself that there, this is happening both and. The more we focus more on that, right, and seeing these things come to fruition and rather than stand against, we stand for something new, right? We say we have this ability to create something brand new than only staring at the losses and the disintegration of systems that have stopped working for a long time. Because right now there's this real push, that last push to hang on to it and reestablish it, you know, and bring it back and doing all those things when we're already this far over here. So it's, it's, it reminds us that both coexist right now, both of those things. And we don't make one bad, the other one better. We just choose what we're going to focus on. We're going to focus on this because this is very seductive, the negative, the challenge, the, you know, the, what looks a possible, a, you know, disaster, chaos, whatever. If we just look there, we're going to see more of that. If we, if we focus here and we keep celebrating this and, and yes, pushing against because the resistance is important. That's what growth is about. We need a little resistance, right? Yes. And I'm, I'm not all unicorns and rainbows over here. I am definitely here to say- I know you're not. No, no. I am here to say, yeah, the struggle is, it exists. It is real, but it is this choice that we're talking about that Colette's talking right. about also. Every day, if it's every moment of every day, you have the choice to pick yourself back up and to move forward and pick yourself back up and to move forward. And sometimes I do this on a moment to moment basis. Me I mean, too. you know, I'm going through a lot of change right now. <laughs> and- you know, or moving our daughter across the world and, you know, all sorts of things are changing. And every moment, if I'm not in that present moment, I'm going to miss it. Oh, I love that you said that. And that's what I love about your work too, because you don't shy away from it. You don't talk about unicorns and rainbows. You talk about this. That's why I was saying it's both and, you know, but where we place our attention every day, the percentage of our attention, I want the greater percentage of my attention to be around compassionate prosperity, how I can help, how I can be a better person, what I need to change, do whatever it is, who do I want to become? Then I want to say, I'm afraid of this, this, I, I've got to hunker down, contract, etc. Because both are going to come up. They, they coexist in every person's day, but it is a choice. It takes more effort as much as it sounds like it shouldn't, but it actually takes more effort to focus on the positive, to focus on the new, to focus on the uncharted territory because fear takes us so quickly back to the other. It's much more seductive and easier to go to the other side. It's discipline. Yeah. And that darn negativity bias too, that thing that says, oh, we must fear, survive. And it instantly goes to the death, doom and devastation. And it is a conscious effort to pull yourself out of that because there's it in the brain from what I've learned is there's different chemicals that are associated with those different thoughts. Death, doom, devastation goes with cortisol, survival, fear, shut down immune system. You can't be in growth and survival at the same time. So then right. if you go to the cells can't, but if you go, if you just force yourself for a moment into, okay, there's a possibility, there's an opening. I know I'm always guided. I know I'm always taken care of. Scan for the opening, scan for the possibility. Right. That opens the brain up to our favorite chemical, dopamine, and it triggers that. And that dopamine is the reward chemical of the brain. It says, what? What's new? What's shiny? What's next? And it goes, yeah, what's <laughs> it goes on to like, I'm the executive function person. I'm going to go find something, a solution now. And it literally is the brain chemical that moves you in that direction. Right. So which one would you rather have? <laughs> Yeah, I yeah, picked I picked door number two. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I know it's the, the prize is behind that door. You gotta start the thoughts, it does, you know? it does. And sometimes it is a rainbow and a unicorn. Fine. Tell me 
some of your, because I know you do put a lot of practice in, what would you share with our listeners of a daily practice, for example? Or what do you do to get yourself back in alignment or to keep yourself open and open to possibilities? So this is my new thing lately. And it's always been my thing, but I put made it more practical. Movement. Movement, movement, movement. So mm-hmm. we sit here all day on Zoom or working or emailing or communicating, right? And if I get stuck or I hear bad news or something happens, I have a little exercise bike. It's just a, st- a stationary bike. And sometimes I will get on that thing with my even laptop in front of me and I will just start pedaling it and moving it and moving the blood and moving the body because it also helps the bones and the, uh, the joints too from from sitting too much or getting too stuck internally. And I will change my state. And that's what that does right. is it gets me mm-hmm. to change my state. And if you don't have a bike, you go walk around the house or you go outside, which would be yep. better, and you get some fresh air. However you can change your state, this is the key, is that you automatically start to open the brain to the new chemicals that allow you to go into the executive function that move you into a different direction. And that's exactly my practice is that if, if I get upset or if I go into that negative pattern, or if there's, you know, I, I had a lot of practice as a child with a mom who really is a textbook fatalist. And she was my, my mentor to move into how it feels to go into positive thinking. I love her. She provided that for me. And that for me is how I do it is I change my state. I start to move and I'll find something that makes, I don't care if it's pink nail polish, something that I can do and look at and say, okay, I have this wonderful candle behind me and it smells so good. I have a love spray. I mean, I don't care what it is. Change your state. Right. (laughs) I use the eucalyptus to do that and peppermint. So I will, and I know exactly what you're talking about. I actually have an egg timer now on my desk because I didn't realize during the pandemic, I will say that I was kind of like stuck to my chair. I put on a lot of weight. I was like a a log, a lump on a log. A lot of us, yes. (laughs) And fixated on the screens, like screen, screen, screen. Um, Now I walk. So walking is my thing. So I do a lot of walking. I will dance. I see, I like to dance and I don't need to dance with anybody. I just need to move around, dance, put on some music that I like and definitely leave the room, go somewhere else. Because if I'm in the state, that physical state of being hunched over a computer, looking at things and then allowing my emotional content to go boom, 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 then I feel like that's forever, right? That's my always feeling. So, and I know that's the cortisol and the epinephrine and all those kind of things that will actually create more visceral fat, you know, and do all kinds of things that I don't want it to do. I'm up and at them. Today, I even walked further because I don't know, the energy of today felt a little wonky for me. And I just kept walking. I'm like, I'm not going back till I'm feeling the click. And I'm, and then I talk to myself and then I say my mantras or I say, I say the serenity prayer and then I'll start thinking about something that is very funny or whatever. And then by the time I get home, I also come back with tons of ideas. That's the other thing. Yes. Right. Movement brings solutions. It does. All of a sudden you're like, oh, I could have called that person or let me research this or maybe I could move in this direction or maybe I just need to give it time. I mean, you can come up with so many more solutions Mm -hmm. rather than this. Moving. And I've been there. Look, when things are shocking or you get bad news or there's trauma in your life, yeah, your brain wants to feed on that and it wants to go there. It's almost like a drug. It's really- It is. It is. It's like, I want more of that. (laughs) 
Why? Drama. <laughs> I want more drama. Yeah, I know. It is It is odd how we're created. It's like such a strange thing. Like, why were we created like that when really the best way to be is the other way, right? I know. It's not even good for us. It's very interesting. It is an exercise. You, It's a muscle. You have to just lift yourself up, get yourself into that direction and move forward. Move forward and know yeah. you're, you're guided all the time because you wouldn't be here listening to this at this time and space if you weren't guided in your life. You've interviewed a million experts and thought leaders over the years. What have you seen as a consistent formula for success in the people that you've interviewed? I know it's a kind of a bit bit of a segue, but I'm curious about that because, you know, all the other torchbearers that you've you've been connected to. Okay. I've kind of unpacked this from like, yeah, I've done over 5,000, I don't know, 5,300 interviews or something. And I, when I interview someone, I don't go after the bio and read that first. You don't either. No. (laughs) I go into, this is what I see as the formula for success of all the people that I've interviewed, is they start with their story, where they came from. And then they talk about the healing journey and then they pay it forward. They help someone else or they've started or a foundation or they've written a book or they've started a podcast and they've done something to move humanity forward. And I feel that if light workers are waking up all over the world, which we are, it's almost like a little mm-hmm. army that's arising, a light army that's arising all over the world. And we're starting to see the conversations, these woo conversations connected in <laughs> politics. I mean, you see someone like Marion Williamson is talking about love and light in po- the politicals and their her messages go viral. People are in yep. this place right they now where they want to hear more of this conversation. I think in the formula for success that I've seen is that you lead from your story so you can identify with people and build great rapport. You talk about the healed version. If I can do it, you can do it. But then what's got to go beyond that is here's how you do it. And I loved Oprah for what she did with bringing awareness around that story is if I can do it, you can do it. And she brought us so many people that have been through such adversity. And if they can do it, you can do it. And then here's the how, here's the how to and that's why I love interviewing people because they have a book about it. They have a 10-step process. They have a supplement. They have a, <laughs> they have a healing practice. They have anything. I look around my desk and all of the people that I've interviewed are supplements on my desk. You know, it's, <laughs> it's that story that, and the healed version and then the paying it forward that I think is the formula for success. Yeah, I, I really think you nailed it. It's paying it forward. It's how do we reduce the suffering of others by sharing what we know and what we are. I think it's amazing. We're going to take a little break now, and when we come back, we're going to switch gears and enter into another dimension of the Wooniverse, the Tea Time After Party. So please stay with us. We'll be right back. And we're back with Lisa Gar. Okay, we are going to switch gears and travel into another dimension of the Wooniverse called the Tea Time After Party, a place where we kick up the fun. Joining us now is my fabulous executive producer, Connie Deletti. <laughs> Hello. All right, we're going to ask some fun questions now. Connie, do you want to start? Sure. Okay. Lisa, do you have a talent that others might find unusual? Ooh, unusual talent. Well, I can 
go downhill in a single truck with ruts and roots and rocks on either side and deep cliffs at about 27 miles an hour. And I have the queen of the mountain on many mountains around my house. Oh my so yes. <laughs> Check. That's, uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's that amazing. Way. I can just bomb oh downhill. God, that's incredible. Oh, it's the mm. best feeling. It's like flying. And you know, mountain biking for me is so, I love it because it's so analogous to life because there's rocks and roots and then there's steep cliffs and you could fall off it at any wow. time, but you got to let go. You have to let go oh, of the brakes <laughs> and you have to roll over it right. and you have to keep coasting. And the harder you resist the brakes and the slower you go, the worse it gets. So the, wow. that's like my superpower is. That's actually true. It is. Mm-hmm. It is so true. That is so true. I had a panic attack on my motorcycle. Now I don't ride anymore, but I had a big Harley and I drove down this really steep. We had no idea that the road that we were on was going to turn into a dirt road with tons of rocks and whatever. And it wasn't even a road anymore. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And I went from a badass biker babe to like, (laughs) 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 and I made it worse. I made it completely worse. I could have just gone and I didn't. I'm like, help me, help me. It was awful. Right, right. Because then if you stop, then you're like, Stuck. No, it Make was it bad. Worse. Yeah. Totally yeah. stuck. Oh. It was yeah, I should have had you as my companion or in my in the back. Yeah. I would have done really well. well. I took a friend out the other day and it was like that. And it was muddy and rude and rutted. And I said, You gotta let go. You gotta let go. You gotta let go. And it's like, I don't know, I can't let go. And I'm like, You gotta oh, let go. Wow. And it was this beautiful moment where she let go and she's like, That was so much fun. <laughs> I did it. That's incredible. Okay, if you could be wildly successful in another profession, what would you choose? Mm. I think, gosh, that's such a toss-up, but I think I'd be a bike coach. I think I'd be a mental coach on the bike. I I really love that. I would love to be in someone's ear or ride along some the side of someone and really coach them into what thoughts move them forward and what they need to be, who they need to be and how they can cross the finish line before they cross the finish line in their mind. And all of these tools that I know about dimensions and different alternate realities, I would love to do that with you know, with um, any types of athletes. I, I would you love to- You still could. I'd love to be yeah. a mental coach for athletes. Ooh. I actually had this idea for one of my clients of being, so she's getting her health certificate, but she took on marathons. She lives in Saudi Arabia and she runs marathons. And I'm like, wow, why don't you be a coach for women that are starting to run in Saudi and run beside them and get them into what it means to be liberated and free and run. And it was an amazing breakthrough. She's doing that now. This is really cool. That's amazing. Love it. So you've interviewed, like you said, well, almost 5,300 people. Do you have any favorites that just come to mind? Yeah. Besides me, of course. Well, I mean, so called right? number one. Oh my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> my number two. Let's get number two. <laughs> we had so much fun on Coast to Coast. I did yeah. love my time with Wayne Dyer. We had such a great time on air. And it was like you and I talking, you know, we had a great rapport and talked about things that mattered. And I started interviewing him gosh, probably 2000. He actually hosted my show while I was giving birth. Oh, wow. I was in, I was in the delivery room and he's like, how's it going, Lisa? And he's on my show broadcasting. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Pretty good. I can't do this now. (laughs) But I'm like, oh, Um, Oh and I always remember after we would get off a show and I would talk to him and he would say, Lisa, I'm still that, that orphan boy 
that can't believe that this is my life. And I pinch myself every day. Yeah. He was always that orphan boy. It never left him. He was amazing, though. He always paid it forward. Talk about paying it forward, right? Always. Yeah. Yeah. We were close for quite a long time. Not as long as you, because I didn't know him as long as you, but he adopted me when I came to Hay House and was an amazing, amazing, amazing... He was um, such a steward of that, too. Yep, he brought people in. He got, like, people book deals, and it was amazing. Found Anita Morjani out of... You know, it's a right? Post. You got, we say diarized. Is that what we say? Oh. That she got diarized <laughs> instead of baptized. Would you rather have a pet dragon or be a dragon? Hmm. I think being a dragon would be amazing. Wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> you could just be large and breathe fire and have wings and, yeah, walk <laughs> large on the earth. Feel that, and I'd be a vegetarian dragon. I'd be the one eating the trees, but right. Yeah, I wouldn't be a hunter, but I I would love that. I would absolutely love that. Yeah, isn't that amazing though? How our minds go to what kind of dragon you went there to? I would like to be a big giant vegetarian dragon, and I went to like little baby coming out of the egg, and I want a pet dragon. That is so great. I went straight. I went straight to how to train your dragon, and I I want toothless. <laughs> That's my pet dragon. I love totally. it. It's so funny. Totally. Lisa, last question. You are banned from the library. Why? Why? <laughs> Ooh, why? 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 Because I went into the secret section of the <laughs> mystical books, the ones that you should never, oh my gosh, the archives of um, the Akashic Records, the invisible library, this, and there's no ceiling and there's no floor and it just goes on to infinity. And I went there and I saw it and I got banned because I knew the way in. Aha! Oh, that's I'm a good an one. That's a really good one. I love that. Thank you for joining us to learn more about Lisa and watch or listen to The Aware Show. You can visit her at www.theawareshow.com. And if you're interested in her story workshop, well, I bet you you are. You can also go to www.theawareshow.com forward slash story workshop. And as always, you can find a transcript of this episode, quotes, all the links, and so much more on our show notes page. So go to itwpodcast.com or click the link in this episode's description. This was so much fun. Thank you so much for joining us, Lisa. Yes, it's it's a beautiful experience. Thank you so much. I'm excited. Thanks so much. So what did we learn today? I always love asking that question at the end of these kind of deep conversations. And I think the thing that I learned was really in the description that Lisa gave us about her NDE, you know, about how we are all connected and that there really is no separation. And that when we remember that, all things are possible. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm Colette Baron-Reed. Be well. To share the way we love Become the ones we're dreaming of Inside the Wooniverse is a production of Universal Network Studios A special thanks to our recording engineer, Chris Dupuy Executive producer, Connie Deletti Story editor, Julie Fink and audio post-production by Lonnie Carmichael. 
Original theme music written and performed by Michael Seifert at Summa Recording. Original music Truth Begins is by Colette Baron-Reed and Eric Ross. And all other music is courtesy of APM Music. Keep up to date on episode releases, giveaways, and special offers by signing up for Colette's newsletter at itwpodcast.com forward slash newsletter. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you join us next time for another episode of Inside the Wooniverse, a podcast brought to you from the corner of Fringe and Maine.